3: As always, I'll talk if nobody else will. Well,
4: we're trying to get it to where it works before we had to intervene, but now we got to intervene.
3: Yeah, I feel, when I when I hear like the third loop yeah. there, I'm like, right, I better say something uh, here. Sports was, Talk, Mississippi.
4: I mean, you, you got Brian the camera. I'm sitting here putting a finger up, like just give it a second here. I, I, you I, just I knew, but I was finger. not.
3: I, I I did not respect your 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 visual you cues. I'm sorry. The finger. I didn't <laughs> when, respect the finger.
2: When hey Dad gets the finger from Borky, he just ignores it. It's like it's not <laughs> I just even ignore. a thing.
3: I'm so used to getting the finger from people, it's no big deal. And you know, it, just, it just happens all the time.
2: When's the last time somebody actually gave you the finger, like in traffic? Oh,
3: in traffic, I, I couldn't tell you. Like uh, not from
4: a buddy joking the last time I got the finger? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Walking I mean, out of you, vaught Hemingway you, in twenty fourteen.
4: You you live in a
3: place that. that
2: has like lots and lots of traffic, Borky.
4: Yeah. Madison's always busy. Yeah, I would think that, that that would happen from time to time. See and, and I can't do that back. I've I've got to be careful. I've learned. And and not because of, of Oh, this. he's going, I'm a big public no, figure. Not because of this, but because yeah. <laughs> my my church affiliation and and where the little guy goes to school. A lot of people go to church there, and if if little James's dad is out here getting in confrontations around town, that's not going to be good. You know, it's a big church. I, I mean, you never but, know but what you in can fairness, run into.
2: Shouldn't it be more about the example that you're setting for your son, as opposed to whether or not somebody you go to church with sees you? Oh, of flying course. off the handle. I mean, that but, that
4: should be the larger reason, shouldn't it? Uh, of course. But like uh, when that lady. Uh, Tried to tell me I was parenting incorrectly in the store. I would have loved to have told her what I really thought about her, but I didn't because she could be a church member, and it's a big church, and this is not a big place, and so I don't want to, you know. She could be on like the finance committee or whatever. I don't know. I, I Just I got to be careful.
3: Sports still. I, I do Mississippi. think about that from time to time. I do like what if if somebody cuts me off in traffic. I'm like I don't know how much I can really do here. You know, yeah. I just gotta, gotta kind of let it. You gotta let it go. Yeah. yeah you know, somebody throws a water balloon at you or something. and You just feel like I gotta be careful.
2: <laughs> so, you know, instead of just completely flying off the handle, you just take a picture instead.
3: <laughs> and chasing down a bunch of kids into a parking lot, I just you know, I just let it go.
4: I did have a friend ask me if you were sure that the water balloon attack was not targeted. <laughs> my, my my buddy was like, he left some details out that makes me think that he may have been the target. It's those, amazing how many people
2: actually. Those guys are big.
3: Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just. Those those kids are. Go! go.
2: You sure? (laughs) Yes. For the third time, it's amazing how many people have told me they heard that or they listened to it on the podcast and they either laughed about it or they had more questions or whatever. I I mean, I I suppose it was premeditated, but if it
4: was premeditated, it was carefully scripted. Well, well, this was pretty
3: well coordinated.
4: Yeah. So, like, did your wife they recently had... fire an employee that has a boyfriend that isn't very smart? No, because you know,
2: <laughs> no that that
3: didn't happen. Didn't happen. That would be. Yeah, they they attract Richard's you know patterns, and they're like, he's going to be here at this time. You, Let me ask you this. That's a good. That's a good question. Were you at a place that you would normally have been at that time of day or where you just happened, you just happened to be there at that time?
2: No, it was a random Sunday afternoon where I had gone to Home Depot to grab like a
3: tube of caulk right. or something
2: i, I, I don't so it's, know. it's
3: not a situation where they could have been set up there waiting like look he, he's here at three o'clock ever or you know not three o'clock bad example, and, 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 but, and they were on one Jackson o'clock
2: avenue in traffic on a sunday afternoon in a turn a left-hand turn lane i mean it's not like you can really time out exactly if you're going to be seven cars deep and when the the arrow is going to change so no no this was it was completely right. random
4: that's all, all right. we can all right, keep so. telling ourselves, I guess
2: sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd be really impressed if it was coordinated or terrified. Terrified.
3: yeah well if you, you if you come out of the house the next day and some kids in there with a paintball gun, you'll know yeah yeah that has uh that has not happened.
4: Have I told you the story about uh my neighbor's ex-boyfriend by the way? No. I've never told this story before. There there was like, this was, gosh, probably a year and a half ago. And I've got a neighbor uh, who, let's just say partakes in something that is generally illegal, and when they are partaking, the, the you can smell next door. They do that a lot, right? It's just kind of something that uh, they uh, do.
3: I hear you. I hear you. Hey, Dan, is there a word for that? Marijuana.
4: It's just—it's kind of what they do, or—or or so I thought. It turns out it was the boyfriend mm. of the mom that lived in this house. He would sit in the back and just get high all the time, and, and it would blow over. And it was before—it uh, was before James was born, so I didn't say anything because until there's a, a, a child running outside, you're not bothering me. Like I went to college, I get it, but they broke up.
3: <laughs> I went to college.
4: I, I, I get it, but they broke up. Because I hadn't seen him around in a while. And one day, I'm sitting in my office and I've got a big, it's it's a door, but it's mostly just window in my office behind me. And the slowest police chase of all time drives by. I mean, he was going the neighborhood speed limit with a couple of cop cars behind him with their lights on. Uh, Did not pull over anything. He pulls up into the driveway, casually gets out of the car, and just walked inside the house. Officers park, like five more cars come, and so the whole street is filled with police officers. They knock on the door, somebody else inside lets them in, and they arrest the guy. I mean, it was the most unincidental, but it was it was an impossibly slow police chase where it, he, he pulls up to the driveway, gets out of the car, and just walked inside, and not he, even three minutes later, he's back outside in cuffs, and they're arresting him.
3: Do, do you think he was altered to the point that he didn't realize the cops were there. No, he they didn't. just like pulled in. He didn't have a shirt on. Walked in on. And was like, like, "What do you, what do you mean? I'm under, Where did y'all come from?
4: Yeah, wait, who's here? Yeah, he didn't have a shirt on yeah. or anything. But it, it like I was, I was kind of expecting fireworks. Did he have a shirt know? on when he got out of the car? No, or did he like go he did, in the house and at, take at, a shirt At on? no point had a shirt on. At least from from my view, but driving
3: I, around with no shirt. All right.
4: After I saw the cars go by, I went out inside of my front porch. I thought, "Oh, this is gonna be, you know, th- this is gonna be nuts. Like they're gonna have to go wrestle this guy down, and like I need to get out my phone or whatever and record this thing." And no, it was just the officers. I guess knew who he was because they didn't even run to the house. They just parked and, like, one just kind of adjusted his belt. They just slowly walked up to the house and went and got him. But he was running from the police. Twelve miles per hour in the neighborhood. He respected the neighborhood. He
3: did, which I I
4: appreciate. Now being a father, but the slowest police chase of all time. I had to tell all the other neighbors, by the way, because they all the cops parked in front of my house, and one pulled into our driveway,
3: and so because you threw that that trash away that time.
4: And when they arrested him, they got him out of the house and like. Had him next to the car for a long time directly in front of my front door. Like right in front of my front door. It's, they were just like, I don't know, I've never been arrested, so I don't know what it's like, but I, they talked to him for a while. Long time, just standing there. I thought you did get arrested one time in Florida. I got a minor in possession uh, ticket, but it did not put me in cuffs. Okay. But, but I did have to pay a, a hefty fine being 20 years old, two days before my 21st birthday, uh, having uh, beers. He miscreant. Yeah. Ha- having yeah. beers, uh, on the porch of a house, no music. That's a story for another day. But I had to tell all of the neighbors within proximity of our house. I, he's not, not with me. I don't know him. It, it, was, that. Not with me. it was not me. Like we're not the heathens here. It's, it's them, not us. I had to have that conversation five different times.
2: C text line is on fire. Uh, Dan and Hattiesburg, we always appreciate, uh, I, I don't know, maybe we might be a stretch. I always appreciate when somebody sends us a text based on a random nugget that happened on the show a week before. It says, hey, not only do I have your show on, I'm actually listening to what your uh, show says sometimes. Dan in Hattie Bur- Hattiesburg says, so you might not have been such a random dork in a truck.
5: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe may so. Just,
2: Thanks a lot, Tom. May,
3: may just been a dork.
5: Yeah.
2: Thanks a lot, Tom. I appreciate that. Uh, Jason says police uh, polite police
4: chases are the best. It was so funny. They had lights on. I mean, it was a police chase, just very slow. I
3: Brandon, think the guy was high enough that he didn't know. That's what I think. <laughs>
2: mm, maybe. Paul and Brandon says, "Have you not seen the video of police chasing in their cars a guy on a lawnmower?" I gotta go look that up. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll find that, yeah. yeah, you'll never catch me. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, kind of. Uh, we're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Great place for you to get in on the action. Good place to watch games. Good food. The whole deal. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Just getting started on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, Sports Talk Mississippi, back with you after this.
0: Sports. <laughs> this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: to be a part of the conversation. We'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. Where? You know where. Right here in C Spire country. To learn more, check them out online at cspire.com slash business. There was um, part of a baseball game last night in Starkville. Mississippi State and Memphis were headed to the top of the third inning when the two teams were pulled from the field because of lightning. Game was tied at one at the time. It was declared a no contest. It will not be rescheduled, and there is no word as to whether or not a tarp on the field would have perhaps uh, allowed them to play uh, without
4: the lightning. Oh, man. If that job does come open, Lane Burrow is probably going to pull his name uh, out of out of the hat because... Um... If you don't have that lightning preventative tarp, then you know, he's not he's not gonna participate. So. Hey Dad, did it ever rain?
3: Uh, it started raining a, a little bit later, but no, not really. Like just lightning and you know, it looked like it was gonna rain. We were under a thunderstorm warning, but Yeah.
2: So the lightning continued long left. enough that they were like, Yeah, I don't know that we really want to sit yeah. around and wait two more hours to try and get this game in that doesn't really matter for either team if it's played.
3: Basically, basically that's the I mean, this late in the season, there's no postseason on the line for either team. Yeah, just sorry. Sorry you traveled down here. Have a great trip back.
2: Yeah, the, the only real inconvenience was for Memphis, who had gone, what, Three hours in a bus, and was going to have a three-hour bus ride home. Although I guess they got home earlier than they would have otherwise. And for the people who yeah. traveled in for the game, and you know, I'm sure there's some people that didn't live in Starkville or the Golden Triangle that came in for the ball game, and uh, maybe they yeah. were inconvenienced a bit. But uh, aside from that, no harm, no it foul. Uh, Mississippi State back at it this weekend. They travel to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. The series begins on Friday night with a 7:30 first pitch. Uh, seven thirty central time, so a little bit later start than normal for that ball game between Mississippi State and LSU. Southern Miss has ULM this weekend, three game series with uh, with them. You're gonna series host. Early. You got to win them. Yep, yep. You got to win. Got to win all three. And Ole Miss once again this weekend has um, another Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. They will host Auburn. Game one on Thursday night. So. That's what's coming up baseball-wise as we move on through the week. Hard to believe this week's gone by quickly. We're, we're yeah. It's like a a mix between it's gone by really quickly. It's already Wednesday and how is it only Wednesday? It feels later in the week than that. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um I uh I had to go see Dr. Walcott today. He is uh he's an allergist in Oxford. So, I told you guys for a while that like I get a sinus infection like twice a year. Right, it happens usually once in the spring and once in the fall. Well, the one that I got last fall lingered and lingered and lingered. Went to the doctor a couple of times. Got the you know whatever the quick, this is z pack they give you that really isn't that effective for a sinus infection anymore. and Got the steroid shots, and it wasn't like I don't I don't know that I ever missed a day of work for that. I'm pretty sure that I didn't. It's just one of those things that's kind of nagging. Like you feel the sinus pressure and whatever. And so uh, I went and saw Doctor Die a couple of weeks ago. He was an ENT and. He gave me, like, a big dose of antibiotics. He's like, we need to knock this out, round of steroids. He's like, and you need to go see the allergist. And I was like, okay. I was like, I've never had allergy issues in my life. He's like, yeah, but sometimes you can develop those. Have you guys ever done that, gone to where they do the uh, the skin prick test?
4: Yeah, buddy, and I lit up like a Christmas tree. When I was a tree. kid. Did you? Mm. The, the doctor told me, me uh, he was like, you know, being outside generally is going to cause you some problems. And, mm-hmm. and I've got all these prescriptions and stuff to help with, with allergies. And I said, well, can I do anything other than that? And he said, move to Oregon. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not allergic to the stuff up there, apparently. Okay. The only things that that didn't you'd be light around me more, up were... You'd
3: be around a lot more people like your former neighbor if you moved to Oregon. Yeah,
4: oh, for sure. But yeah, apparently the the stuff that that didn't get me were all... Plants based in the Pacific Northwest. So,
3: hmm. so I took allergy shots from the time, like almost all the way through sixth, seventh grade.
2: But you stopped. Did they go away? Are you just like got tired of it?
3: Yeah, as, as as I got well, as I got older, I guess they just sort of faded away. But I, I remember going to the doctor as a little kid, and man, it sucked so bad because you just itch and you can't scratch.
2: So, I learned a couple of things. One. I thought that they only did this on your back, right, where they just did all the little pricks. It's like 50 different pricks, and it's not like a shot per se, just like the little tiniest skin prick, and they're putting allergens in. So they did them on my forearm. So I mean, I look like, I don't know that you can really see it even if you're watching right now, but I've got three lines of like skin pricks on my right forearm, and two lines of them on my left forearm. and. It was okay. There were a couple of things that showed up. They are like, okay, now that we know that you're not going to go into, like, anaphylaxis, we're going to give you some bigger doses. And so they did that in the arm. And so I got, like, another line of, like, needle pricks. Those are closer to shots that happen in your arm. Uh, We came to the conclusion that I am allergic to dust mites, which are common. I mean, like, even if you're a clean person, everybody deals with dust mites because apparently they live in, like, your bed sheets and whatever. He goes... You got to wash your sheets on hot and super hot water which which we do but he's like look as your skin just naturally flakes off dust mites anyway whatever apparently that's really really common and then the other I, it feels like something you need to like there's no question you have dust mites in your house hey dad
3: everybody has dust mites yes i believe you
2: but it feels like a dirty and i asked him i was like hey could staying in hotels a lot lead to that? He's like, absolutely. He's like, you can kind of control how your own home is cleaned. He's like, you have no control at a hotel. And I was like, well, this was the time of the year where I was staying in a lot of hotels and was traveling constantly. He's like, well, okay, yeah, that might add to it. Um, so that and then I am allergic to Bermuda grass, which is kind of an issue in Mississippi because there's a lot of that. can't and, play golf anymore. Sorry, pal. And, and I told him, I was like, <laughs> I mean, I cut grass, I play golf, I'm outside all the time. He's like... And that's why we're going to do some things to help you deal with this, not an issue. Uh, and then Bahia, uh, B-A-H-A-I-A, which is basically hay, um, apparently allergic to that. And then Timothy grass. Uh, those, so those were the things that I popped as allergic to. So anyway.
4: What did he ever um, do
2: to you? But I got good news, too. You know, you go to the doctor and they say, what are you allergic to? And I'm sure like a lot of people in life, I put that I'm allergic to penicillin because my mom told me for my entire life that I was allergic to penicillin. So like when I was one or two or three, some doctor for some illness prescribed penicillin, and apparently I had some reaction to it. He's like, we're going to test for that. I'm not allergic to penicillin anymore.
5: That's, that that's, felt like that's a win. Helpful.
2: I'm allergic hey. to penicillin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you.
3: so I wonder if that's a '70s moms thing. Like, just just tell them they're allergic to penicillin. We don't want to give it to them.
2: Maybe so. Although I was born in the '80s, I'm not quite as old as you. But yes, I, I understand. Yes, same, same, same general principle. Same, you know, within a decade or what a so. Jerk. Yeah, I know. What a jerk, right? So yeah, I'm not allergic to penicillin anymore.
3: Uh, I, I didn't make any jokes about having pricks on your arms, and it, I, I had a joke. I had a mm-hmm. joke. See, But I let it go, but now you return fire. See, now I should just make the jokes.
4: Yeah. Sounds like you're maturing, though. I don't like that. Maybe,
2: maybe. So anyway, thanks. Got and all that. Skinnier time.
3: and getting, getting, getting more mature. I don't like either yeah. one of those things.
2: You got all that squared away. Jay at the res says, Your sports show is turning less sports and more personal stories high. Yeah. well. There's there's a little less.
4: With gest- With gestures at everything. Uh, just look, yeah
3: got Two and a half more hours. We'll get some sports in eventually. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about uh, our feelings.
2: Yeah. How do you feel? Terrible. I feel pretty good. This is a safe space.
3: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: are we? Are we in the trust tree? I thought Other we were in the trust tree.
2: Other the uh, C Spire text line. Uh, here we go. Right. Uh, speaking of the C Spire text line, shout out for the Ole Miss softball team. They upset LSU in the first round of the SEC tournament. That is a single elimination tournament. So uh, LSU goes home on day one. Ole Miss gets to hang around for a little while longer. Also, congratulations to both the Ole Miss and Mississippi State women's golf teams, both advancing to the NCAA golf championships. So you have the regionals, and from each of the regionals, the top five teams advance. Ole Miss yesterday was in like a five-way tie for fifth place. So they were on the verge of being outside looking in. They played well today and uh, finished in fourth place in the Athens Regional. And so they will advance to Scottsdale. Uh, Mississippi State won the Westfield Regional uh, and played really, really well over the course of the three rounds. They finished at 19 under as a team. Two shots clear of Oregon State who was uh, 4-under on the final day of the tournament today. So Mississippi State at minus 19 wins the Westfield Regional, so you'll have both Mississippi State and Ole Miss headed to Scottsdale. They're going to play at Greyhawk, and uh, that's where the uh, national championship happens. First for the women's golf, and then the men's golf happens uh, a week ago. I actually had to play that course back in uh, in January. Was it as good as I heard? It was good. It was really good. I played terribly. That day, and so that probably jades it for me just a little bit. But it, and there was a frost delay, which you don't expect in Arizona. So, but but yes, it's really really nice. Where Ole Miss won it a couple of years ago. We'll be back, Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again, please say. Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate.
2: Football stuff to get to this afternoon. Interesting story out of the Big Ten. Could it be something that trickles to the SEC? Later in the college football fix, we will look at some SEC win totals. That's always a fun exercise to go through. Luke um, Luke Johnson will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Also in the 4 o'clock hour, Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball. will talk some college baseball with him. I don't want to belabor the point here, but uh, there are some of you that are golf fans or play golf or follow college golf that might be interested in this. So I was talking about Mississippi State and Ole Miss both advancing to the NCAA championship. There were six regionals, one in Athens, Georgia, one in Palm Beach, Florida, one in Pullman, Washington, one in Raleigh, one in San Antonio, and one in Westfield, Indiana. So the thing about golf courses is they're all unique, right? And that's, you know, if you're hosting, maybe you are in an advantageous spot of kind of having it as a home course advantage because you know the course, you played it, you're familiar with it. But just the, the reality of the game of golf is there are some golf courses that are just easier than others. And the scores, now the teams have something to do with it, but the scores illustrate this across these six regionals. So you had two regionals where, and and the way the scoring works in college golf, you have five players that play, four of their scores count, and this is over the course of three rounds. So in two of the regionals, the Palm Beach Regional, which was played at PGA National, that's a hard golf course, and the San Antonio Regional, which was played at TPC San Antonio, when the wind blows, that can be a really hard golf course also. In both of those regionals, a score over par won the tournament. Michigan State, at eight over par as a team, so that's four scores times three rounds, won it. At the San Antonio Regional, nine over par won it. Pepperdine and SMU were both nine over par. There were some that were more normal. Athens, Georgia was 13 under. South Carolina was 11 under. San Jose State, Ole Miss, and Augusta all advance with scores over par. Um, Raleigh, Arizona won it at five under par. We talked about Mississippi State a second ago. They won their regional, the Westfield-Indiana regional, at 19 under. And then there was Pullman-Washington. I assume that this is the home golf course of Washington State. Stanford is on the course still. West Coast, so it takes them a little longer out there. They started a little bit later. Stanford is 43 under par with holes still to play. Second place, Clemson is 26 under. So is Southern Cal. Baylor is 23 under and Texas Tech is 17 under. Probably a little bit easier track there on the Palouse. (laughs) My goodness. You have a regional where nine over as a team across the course of three days won it, and Stanford has picked up another shot. They are now 44 under as a team with holes still to play in their third and final round. That is amazing. And Borky pointed out that the best amateur female golfer on planet Earth, and frankly probably a top 20 golfer, female golfer, regardless of Amateur status or professional status, Rose Zhang, Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G, she plays for Stanford. She's like 16 under through three rounds.
3: Goodness. While we're so, talking about that, uh, shout-out, we mentioned State and Ole Miss, both advancing, but uh, Julia Lopez-Ramirez from Mississippi State was the uh, individual champion at the Westfield Regional as well, uh-huh. 13 under par. She's had a after great year. Holes.
2: Yeah. She has had a fantastic year. She, uh, she's got 67 in the first round, 66 in the third round, and 70 today. That's, that is spectacular. That's some really, really good playing. So congratulations to, uh, to her. So story out of the Big Ten. Football. Switching gears from women's college golf to football. By the way, the uh, men's golf regionals are next week. and We'll try to keep you up to date with what's happening in those as well. So the Big Ten is strongly considering removing the non-conference Power Five opponent requirement from schedules. That apparently Michigan does not have to follow. I don't know why, but they get away with it. Wasn't that because of a cancellation? Like there was a home-and-home cancellation on Michigan's schedule? I think that's the reason that Michigan does not have a Power Five team on their schedule last year or this year.
4: Yeah, I just like taking shots at Michigan.
2: Either way. Okay. Well, okay, but I mean, even when you take shots, it's like you got to tell the whole story. Kind of. No, you don't. That's the beauty of it. Since 2016, the Big Ten has required league members to play at least one non-conference Power 5 opponent annually. However, Big Ten schools could ask the league office for exemption for other programs not in a Power 5 league to count as its requirement.
4: Exactly like the SEC, BYU, Notre Dame, etc. Sure. Uh, besides teams from other Power 5 leagues, the ACC,
2: Big 12, Pac-12, and the SEC, plus Notre Dame and several non-Power 5 programs, counted toward the Power 5 requirement. That includes all three service academies, Army, Navy, and Air Force, along with BYU, Cincinnati, UConn, and a few others. So interestingly enough, this could go into effect next year if the Big Ten chooses to lift the requirement, which would coincide with the first year of a 12-team college football playoff. The irony in that is, in theory, it's less important next year to remove that game from your schedule than it has been for the last seven years.
4: It is unless you want to increase the volume of teams that make it. One fewer speed bump for a Penn State who routinely loses to Ohio State you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just makes it easier for a Penn State to make it, despite the almost guaranteed loss.
2: Yeah, but a Big Ten team or an SEC team with two losses has got a legit shot to make the uh, the college football playoff once we get to a 12-team format. I, I guess that's the point that I was making. Is right. When it's only four, your margin for error is basically none. you got you got one loss to work with, assuming the rest of your schedule is good, and that loss is to the right
4: person. My guess is this is being led up by the Minnesotas of the league.
3: That would be my guess, as it should be. Whereas in the, Missis- in, in, in the SEC, it should be led by the Mississippi States and Ole Misses and Vanderbilt's and South Carolina, that, the mid-tier teams, the ones who can, you know, can find ways to have nine, ten win seasons, on not regularly, but every now and then. Should be pushing to try to get rid of their difficult games and have three pushovers and then play the conference games.
2: You, hey, Dad, you are a proponent of the Scott Strickland scheduling model at Mississippi State, right? Your four non-conference games should make you four and zero. Yes. And then you go win two in the SEC and you're in a bowl. You win three in the SEC, you're in a better bowl. You go five hundred in and league so play at four and four and now you have had what is traditionally a really, really good season. And anything above that is an outstanding season, historically.
3: Yeah. He said, I think he said it best when he said, I'd rather play them in, in January than in September.
2: It's part of the reason that Mississippi State has been to how many straight ball 13. games? 13 straight ball 13. games. And yes, yes, I know there are a couple of asterisks, whatever, set it aside. It's fine. They've played in 13 straight football post-seasons. If you are a Mississippi State fan that is 18 years old or younger, in some cases 20 years old or younger, you have never known Mississippi State Not in the postseason. Not in a bowl game. In your life. And hey, Dad, for your life, you can't say the same thing. For my life, I can't say the same thing. Borky can't say the same thing in his lifetime. But if you're a sophomore in college or younger, you don't know a Mississippi State football program that doesn't play in a bowl game. Unless you just like have vivid memories of going to... St. Petersburg when you were six. I I don't know. I I know that doesn't add up exactly right, but you understand what I'm
4: saying. I don't love it. As a fan of college football, I'm concerned that this will bleed down here, and I don't like that.
2: We'll pick up this conversation on the other side of the timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios on this Wednesday afternoon. Do you want to see this in the SEC? Hey, Dad does. He wants to see the SEC eliminate the Power Five requirement, especially if the SEC goes to nine conference games. How do you feel about that? I think Borky and I are on the opposite side of the opinion fence from Brian Hayden. We'll be back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: All
2: right, so the question on the table is, if the Big Ten goes to a scheduling model where they don't require their teams to play a non-conference Power 5 game, so in terms of the Big Ten, we're talking a game against the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big 12, or a handful of other schools... If that happens in the Big Ten, will we see a trickle down effect in the SEC or will the SEC stand put and say, No, we're we're okay. We're okay with the model the way it is. Even if we go to a nine game conference schedule, we are not going to eliminate the requirement that you play a power five school. And I would I would put this into the conversation as well. By the way, we've got a bunch of messages from you guys on the ceasefire text line with some opinions on this, and it's great. Um, we talk regularly, and, and Borky, you probably beat the drum on this more than anybody else, about everything that happens in college football being intentional or not, anti-fan. Raised ticket prices don't help the fan. Raised premium seating, concessions, the cost of everything. Most of that's cost-related. Mostly. But everything has been driven toward more revenue, better television exposure, what's best for the school, the program, the budget, the bank account, not what's best for the consumer, the person who goes to the games. This is actually, even if it is a byproduct of something else, One piece of that equation that is good for the fan. The non-conference Power Five games, generally speaking, almost exclusively, maybe exclusively, are better for fans. It is a more compelling product on the field. It's a more compelling matchup when you get two Power Five teams, especially when it's... Not regional. Mississippi State, Arizona. That was kind of cool last year. Long way away, late night kickoff, all those things. She don't see Mississippi State and Arizona all the time. You got that. What do you think, Morky?
4: Yeah. If if they, regardless of the schedule choice that the SEC makes, uh, whether they go to the nine games. And do three plus six, or go to or stick with eight and do one plus seven, you're still going to see the entire league anyway. And the reason they need to blow up the current scheduling model is the monotony. It's the same teams every year. You don't see anybody from the East. It's like you're not even in a conference. So, either model that they choose, you're going to go to every stadium once in a four year period, you're going to play every team twice in a four year period. It's going to happen that way. If you get rid of the Power 5 requirement, it's going to feel new for a while, but there will be some, some monotony setting in. Because it is going to be the same teams every year, which we like. We like when Ole Miss plays Arkansas. We like when Mississippi State plays LSU, of course. But the diversity of schedule is a positive. And what will happen if you remove the Power 5 game... To some teams in the SEC. Now, South Carolina is going to always play Clemson. That's always going to happen. Kentucky's always going to play Louisville. But you are going to have teams that are just going to use their non-conference games to play directional U to pile up wins. And that is something that I don't want to see. I'm sad that the Big Ten might shut this down. Because how many Big Ten teams are going to play SEC teams anymore? You think Minnesota's going to make a trip to Starkville and vice versa? If they don't have to anymore? Maybe not. They might, but maybe not. And one thing that I've really enjoyed about these requirements is what you just mentioned. Mississippi State-Arizona, that's cool. Ole Miss is playing Southern Cal in two years. Those kind of games are going to go away if you get rid of that requirement for the sake of piling up wins. Now, it's probably better for the Ole Miss and the Mississippi States of the world to just have a schedule that's as easy as you can make it. But as a consumer of college football, I cannot wait for Ole Miss to go play in the Coliseum. That's going to be awesome. And we need more of that. I would love one day for Mississippi State to go to Happy Valley. But if those requirements go away, those games are going to become lesser, and that is bad for the overall health of the sport. Whether you go to nine games or eight games in the SEC, that requirement needs to stay. Or else it's just going to be Troy and Middle Tennessee and Chattanooga and Furman on your schedule, as opposed to Southern Cal, Minnesota, Virginia, Virginia Tech. How much of
2: that does the Big Ten already do, though? I mean, do we really see that many Big Ten SEC
4: regular season matchups? Penn State played Auburn and Alabama both recently. Minnesota's got Mississippi State on the schedule. Off the top of my head. We'll pick this
2: up in the 4 o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Back after this.
0: Okay, let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On
2: Clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Good to be with you as always in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of, you know what I'm going to say, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee times today online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Join us if you'd like on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire, whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in fiber to the home, that's super fast internet or the best in IT business solutions, Cspire's got you covered. Learn more online for whatever you're looking for at cspire.com. And we invite you to come join the Premier Collegiate Wood Bat League in the South as the Cotton States Baseball League is hosting its 15th season with games at the uh at BNA Bank Park. That's in June and July. If you are a collegiate player, time is running out to get your registration in. Go to CottonStatesLeague.com no later than May 12th to reserve your spot in the collegiate league. Already college players from Tennessee, Texas, and Florida are committed for the 2023 season. It's affordably priced, features outstanding facilities, great coaches, and a great opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for college players and for up-and-coming high school and junior high players. So I mentioned the deadline for the collegiate registration, that is this Friday, May 12th. The deadline for high school and junior high players got a little while longer. Got until June 2nd for that. All games are played at B&A Bank Park in New Albany, centrally located to tons of great players from across the region, including prospects at all levels. For more information, go to the Cotton States League Facebook page, their Twitter account, or their other social media outlets, or visit them online at cottonstatesleague.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian. Hey, Dad. We're going to get to some of your reaction on the ceasefire text line of the whole. Do you keep playing a power five opponent or not? But hey, Dad. First, I have a question for
3: you, kind of in your wheelhouse. And I have a I had something I wanted to say about what Borky was saying, but go ahead.
2: Well, this is going to derail that. Should we do that first and then we come back to my question?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Borky was talking about the the USC game, and I agree that's going to be a fantastic. Uh, day at at the, at the ballpark or the stadium for Ole Miss, it'll be a lot of fun. My question is this: Let's let's push it ahead to you know whenever. And an, a nine and three Ole Miss team has a, a a fighting chance to be an eleven or a twelve seed in the college football playoff, just depending on who the losses were and how they play. But they have a chance. An eight and four Ole Miss team has no chance; they're not getting in. Would you rather have played USC and lost to them? Because like, Ole Miss is going to be an underdog in that game. Would you rather lose to them in September, or would you rather play them in the first round of the college football playoff?
4: Well, for, for what's best for Ole Miss, you'd rather play them in the playoff. As a consumer right. of college football, what's best for the weekly schedule and the intrigue and the attention on the sport, it's playing them in I mean, September I, I, I and, and saying, hoping but you can also get there. Because this is a league-wide thing. It's not just... You know, an Ole Miss or Mississippi State thing. It's everybody.
3: They're going to pick up a ninth power five game because they're going to be playing an extra conference game. So it's still going to be you know it's going to be nine power five games, which is what they're you know they're doing now. And it's just it's that's that's the only difference is that instead of being maybe an out of conference matchup that that you know there are attractive matchups out there, but it's just going to be an SEC matchup. And you talked about variety of schedule. We're going to have that starting next year because it's going to be, the schedules are just going to look different. And that newness won't wear off for quite a while, I would think. There was very little
2: that was good about 2020 after the 20th of mm-hmm. March. But one thing that was not good but great about 2020 had nothing to do with Fauci or drug companies or vaccines or viruses or anything. It had everything to do with a 10 uh-huh. game. All conference schedule in the SEC. I know we only had quarter full stadiums, and it was weird, and there were restrictions and masks when you were moving about. All that crap that went on that was so ridiculous was so theater of the mind. Sorry, I I, I did not mean to take that left turn or right turn. Whatever. The point I'm That's making a right is turn. yes, it was a far right turn. The point I'm making <laughs> is. The football schedule itself was great that year. There was not a single week where we were talking about Mississippi State against VMI, or Ole Miss against Southeastern Louisiana, or Northwestern State, or whatever. It was spectacular!
3: Yes, and... State was three and seven and would have missed a bowl game in a regular year. Ole Miss went four and five, would have been four and six because they played the AM game. AM was likely going to win and wouldn't have the oh, bowl. Oh, disagree. Game. I disagree on that. But. Oh, I don't. That AM team was fifth in the nation. They were telling mind they, have, they wasn't going to play in that game. They because of the COVID game issues. was scheduled in a regular in a regular situation. A going to win that game.
2: Because A&M has a history of just beating the crap out of Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I'm Regardless just saying that was, a level, good, right?
3: that was a good A&M team. That was a good A&M team. They mm. were pretty good. They only lost one game. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if they I mean, hadn't chickened they out of playing there.
2: that game when it we, was scheduled, we, well, that's they would have lost that on game.
3: That. I, don't, I, don't, I don't have an issue with that, but I'm just saying, chances are neither team's going to a bowl. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So, I mean... Yeah, we have a lot of fun from September. You know, I I guess we have fun. I think it was three and seven. I didn't have a whole ton of fun. But, you know, it's it's about winning.
2: So, is this a college football playoff conversation? Is that what the conversation is? Because I think if you're good enough to be one of the 12 teams that plays in the college football playoff, you shouldn't get in with more than three losses anyway, which to your point is you're never going to get in with more than three losses. But you're going to have some three loss teams that get in the college football playoff. Yeah. So if using your example, hey, Dad, Ole Miss were to lose to Southern Cal that year, and then they lost three SEC games, well, they shouldn't have been in anyway. But you're saying if you replace Southern Cal with Northwestern State, Mm-hmm. and and so you've got four wins there instead of three, whatever, but then you lose three in SEC three games. I mean, should you really be getting into a 12-team playoff if you got three conference losses? I mean, if they want I mean, to invite you, lo- you, of course you're going to say yes.
3: Well, let's look at it like this. Let's look at it like this. For let's look at this year's Ole Miss team and their schedule. And if they okay. lose to number one Georgia, number two Alabama, and number five LSU, and that's their only three losses, that's a pretty darn good football team. State I agree. in two thousand ten was eight and but four. I they agree. lost. To, but, but hold on, let me let me respond to that though. I
2: agree that that makes yeah. them a pretty darn good football team. And as much as I would want them to be in the playoff, of course I would want them to be in the playoff. Did they deserve to be in the playoff if they lost three Over, games?
3: Well, I mean, when you can talk about the twelfth and thirteenth best teams in the country, those are going to be three lost teams. Yeah, in a twelve-team playoff, yeah, they deserve to be in. I need I need to find Ross's bracket and see who was who would have been the twelfth seed that he that he tweeted out earlier this year. Okay. Just,
4: the, the the prism that that I'm operating here is not just, and I, maybe it should because of what I do and where I do it, but it's not just in the Ole Miss and Mississippi State prism. I've got the Big Ten helmet schedule up for reference because they're the ones that are possibly getting rid of this. This year, you got Indiana-Louisville, Maryland-Virginia, mm-hmm. Michigan State-Washington, Ohio State-Notre Dame, Penn State-West Virginia, Rutgers-Virginia Tech, Illinois-Kansas and Lawrence- It's actually an interesting football game. A lot of people might roll their eyes at that. Iowa, Iowa State, of course. Minnesota at North Carolina. Nebraska at Colorado. Northwestern at Duke. Purdue at Virginia Tech. Shout out Hokies for for playing two Big Ten teams this year. And Wisconsin at Washington State. You will lose those games. Not all of them, but you will lose those games for Western Michigan. And... Indiana State, and Youngstown State, and Ohio. That's what will replace those games. And as a college football fan, I would much rather have more of those than directional U for the sake of getting old Miss or State into the playoff. It makes the 13 so- weeks more interesting than the one week to hopefully make it easier for Ole Miss and State to go in.
3: You would have had a four a three-loss Utah team as the four seed in this year's current if this year had had a 12 team playoff. A three-loss team would have been the four seed because they were the Pac-12 champion. Okay. Kansas State is is in this. They finished with with they had three losses in the regular season, but they won the Big 12. Uh and then you have a bunch of two-loss teams, obviously. So I mean, yeah, yeah, you deserve to be in a, a nine-and-three Ole Miss team with those three losses I just listed is easily one of the top twelve teams in
2: college football. Hey, by the way, Purdue is playing eleven Power Five teams. They've got games against Virginia Tech and Syracuse in the non-conference, plus Fresno
0: State. Ooh, Eric Sorensen joins us next. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk, Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
2: Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Just two weekends remaining in the regular season, then conference tournaments, then regional play begins. Who better to talk about it than our friend Eric Sorensen from D1Baseball.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Stitch underscore Head. You've been making the rounds. You've kind of been all over the place. Finally got a little bit of warm weather. Uh, Fun time (laughs) of the year for college baseball, just uh, less so for Ole Miss and Mississippi State here in the uh, the Magnolia State,
3: Eric. Uh,
1: Rich, I can't believe we're talking about this right now. First of all, thanks for having me on again. And by the way, I was thinking about it. I think it's been about fifteen years that I've been on your show, just off and on, for the to talk, talk college baseball. When I was it, about it, it has day, been
2: so. it has been thirteen years. I was thinking about that the other day, 13. Eric. So my okay. my oldest daughter just turned thirteen, and <laughs> she was born just before I started the radio show that has evolved into this one. And uh, and you were one of my first guests, and I love it. Yeah.
1: I guess so, but yeah, I was, I, yeah. I'm, I went to high school and college in Louisiana, so I, I can't add very good. So fifteen is what I thought it was, but yeah, no, this is great, man. And 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 yeah, and and as I was about to exclaim, I still can I have to pinch myself that this really is happening. That Ole Miss and Mississippi State might not even make the SEC tournament, much less the NCAA tournament. I can't imagine things are like real hunky dory with the fan bases up there. I know, I, uh, I know that must be the case at least. So, and it depresses me a little bit though, Rich, because as you might as you might recall, I'm I'm a big fan. I, I like Chris Limonis, and I love Mike Bianco. I like both those guys a lot. They're really good dudes. Um, but man, it's it's just tough to see the, the stuff that you, those teams are going through this year.
2: And Eric, you've you've been going to the College World Series for a long time, so I know you've seen a lot. I yeah. mean, we we saw it years ago when Nebraska. Um, maybe did they even play against Creighton in the College World Series?
1: No, no, they've never been at the same time. But, okay, no. <laughs> but 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 we've seen
2: what Nebraska fans do. But that's a forty-five yeah. minute drive. It's an hour and a half drive for Nebraska fans. We've seen right. for decades how LSU fans travel. But man, there's oh, yeah. been something really special about the last two final weekends, where Mississippi State fans two years ago flooded Omaha, and then Ole Miss fans did it a year sure. ago. It, it's a pretty neat deal that is is not replicated by many fan bases.
1: No, I would I would say that those fan bases probably have the most there. I, you know, I, I think uh, Arkansas could probably give them a run for the money. Ellison no doubt, could too. Yes. But but yeah, the way the the way the the finals the last two years had gone. With, uh, you know, just about half the state of Mississippi coming up, you know, <laughs> different, different, wearing different colors each time has been, has been something else. And, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, it's hard to replicate that for e- for any other fan base around the country except for, like I said, Arkansas, LSU, when they've made the finals have had pretty, rep- uh, representative crowds up there. But man, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing the way that Magnolia State follows college baseball and it's good for the sport, obviously um and uh and it's and its can be a little bit bad for the coaches if things don't go right exactly sometimes, but always fun, always fun to have some of those teams up there in the in the finals just to bring a circus atmosphere like it has been hey, you know um
2: Legalized sports gambling has been a uh, topic in college baseball for the last week. Have you seen any early lines posted on whether or not uh, Jello Shot record gets broken in twenty
1: twenty three? I'll more. tell you what. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I haven't seen the odds on it yet. I don't think it's hmm. going to happen if Old Miss Mississippi State aren't there. Put it that way. But yeah, the Jello Shot. What a great thing that. What a great little side gig that has been for the for uh, the, the fans in the College World Series the past few years.
2: All righty, so we're looking at regional projections. D1s came out again today. Um, concentration in the, the southeastern part of the United States, as is normally yeah. the case. A little bit of love for the northeast. A little yeah. bit of love, not a lot of love out west. What, what, what yeah. stands out to you in terms of projections right now?
1: Oh, I'd probably say just the way... Well first of all I'm I've been really happy with the with when, and and I went there last week to see the some games up in the northeast Boston College and and UConn I think are great story Northeastern University is a great story this year too but I'd have to say it's probably the concentration of teams in the Carolinas this year um, you know Duke is is up there in the top 10 Coastal Carolina is uh is is right in the you know number 8 and you know Campbell is another mid major And even Duke, you can't call them a mid-major, but the way their program has been over the years, it's a surprise that Duke is this high up and playing this well. And, of course, at the top you got Wake Forest, which is the number one team in the country, and the team I think is probably the most complete team in the country. No offense to LSU, I just think they're pitching-wise just that much better than just about everybody else. So, yeah, I just think the Carolinas... And I've just named a few of the teams. I mean, there's a couple more with North Carolina, North Carolina State as well. I think that's the concentration of teams, and and I think it's kind of a thing. Now, don't take this the wrong way. I think it's also kind of a thing where the the uh, you know like like everybody gets elevated when the teams are all in that are that close together, and everybody gets elevated a little bit. So I think the overrated factor might be. Just slightly to some of these teams, again, that's not, that's not a pejorative. It's just that's how good the baseball's been in that, in that area of the country. So teams are really playing good baseball around there, and they're really helping each other's RPI elevate all that much more. So, yeah, I think that's the thing with that, uh, that, that, is, that has stood out the most this year is just how many good teams there are in North and South Carolina uh, and in that area this year.
2: Eric, we've been following Southern Miss closely. We talked with Kendall about this yesterday, about how close they are to being a host, and we think that there's a possibility that they can play themselves into a top 16. I'm curious, though, in these projections, we have seen Southern Miss as the number two in Baton Rouge, and that's a proximity thing for the last several weeks. This week, you guys made a move, and you had them as the number two in Nashville instead that feels like a small victory for Southern Miss, to not have to go to Baton Rouge as a number 2 <laughs> seed. Now, I, I don't know. It's possible that Vanderbilt is is a less favorable draw after Paul Skeens. What do you make of Southern right. Miss, Scott Berry's club, and, and what they can do with six games remaining and the Sunbelt tournament?
1: Oh, yeah. Look, I think they're sitting in a pretty good spot. And the thing, the thing I like to say about it, Rich, is you get kind of it seems you get a little long in the tooth with teams going to the same places, and it just seems yes. like Southern Miss has been to Baton Rouge or or playing at Ole Miss, Mississippi State. It just seems like they've gotten those draws uh, every year at one of those places. It just seems like Baton Rouge more than anywhere. So it's kind of cool to see them if that if that is the case and they go someplace else, uh, that would be good. That would be optimal for them. Um, I, I really like uh, Coach Barry's team this year. I don't love them. I just like them a lot. I think their pitching is probably probably really good. It's not quite on par where it was last year, where it seemed like they barely walked anybody. They barely had over a hundred walks all season. The only thing I worry about is is with Southern Miss is playing. They're they're going to go against uh, Louisiana Monroe this weekend, and Louisiana Monroe's RPI is number two forty six. Yeah. If they just happen to draw to lose one of those games. Can't that's going to be an anchor, an anchor to their RPI. I don't know if it drags them down to a, you know, a number three seed or anything, but uh, it, it could be a problem. But I do like where they're sitting, and if they get to go someplace that's a little, that's just a little different, a little bit different setting. I, and and we talked about Vanderbilt before. I saw Vanderbilt this year earlier. If it does end up being a Vanderbilt thing, I saw him earlier this year up in that tournament in Minneapolis. They looked very ordinary to me at the time. Nebraska beat them on that uh, on that Friday, the first day of that tournament. So I, I don't mind their draw. I, I think that would be I think that would be fine if they did get that case. Let's just hope it does kind of turn out that way because I'd like to see them playing in a different atmosphere.
2: Two minutes left. I know sometimes we put too much into projections, but there are two that just pop off the page at me. Number yeah. one. Uh, Tennessee is a two seed in Conway, South Carolina. I mean, you want to talk about an offensive regional where you got NC State there? And then the other one that pops to me if Arkansas holds on to a four seed and they get Texas as a two, Washington as a three, and Southeast Missouri State, holy cow, sign me <laughs> up for Baumwalker Stadium.
1: <laughs> well, it, you could really just go to Baumwalker and no matter who they're playing and have a great atmosphere, obviously. Uh, I think those are pretty. That's those are a pretty tough draw. Texas could, you know, they were like in the top ten early in the season, and I think Washington, just having seen them a couple times out here, sneaky better than probably a lot of people think. Um, And with Tennessee, just think about that with Tennessee though. They were the number two team in the country preseason, and and at the time, I even thought, you know what, with their pitching, I like them a little bit better than LSU. And mm-hmm. then they kind of run out. They've come upon some some tough times this year, a little bit tough times this year. Not too bad. Their 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 team ERA is still second in the country, so I like their matchup. I, I think whoever gets Tennessee as a number two is in for a lot of trouble, especially if their offense stays. As good as it's been, it seems lately, they've gotten a little bit better. So that's a tough number two. No matter who gets Tennessee, that's just a tough draw. So, you know, beware of them. No matter where they go, I I, I like Tennessee's chances. Maybe not as bad as good as last year, where they were number one. But I I do like their chances if they come around and keep the bats hot. Yeah,
2: but how did it work out for them when they were
1: number one overall? I know the number one seeds. The last three times, UCLA in 19, Arkansas 21, and Tennessee last year, all lost in the Super Regionals. So that's always something. that I think this year, by the way, Rich, just on, off the subject, just branching a little bit, I think it's going to be a lot like the NCAA basketball tournament this year. We're going to see a Not lot of carnage, a lot of, lot of mid-majors that are going to make some noise because nobody seems as dominant this year as, as in past years, even with LSU being as good as they've been this year so far.
2: Eric, thanks for your time, man.
1: Of course.
0: I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you. What do you say we just stick with the Farm Bureau guest line? Favorites.com. that's where you go to get a quote for auto, home, or life. Bundle your coverage and save with Mississippi Farm Bureau. Favorites.com, go with the home team. Luke Johnson, Super Talk Eagle Hour, joining us right now. we got new D1 baseball regional projections. And Luke... It's not quite where we want it to be because we don't see Hattiesburg on there, but we do see Southern Miss not in Baton Rouge. We're making progress.
5: We are making progress. That, that is a win. I think they had, what, Kansas State, Alabama State in there. And, yeah, I mean, uh, couldn't tell you the last time uh, Southern Miss played Mandy, um, in baseball. Uh, probably need Jack Duggan in to, uh, to tell us when and where, if it happened. But, but one that surprises me because, you know, Eagles would be in a 15 or 16 spot. I heard you guys talking earlier in the week. I, I don't see how the Northeast will get to, um, you know, Boston college at 14, Connecticut at 16. I think one thing that Southern Miss has going for them, um, what's going against them is that they're at 32 wins. Uh, so they need to get near, near the 40 mark. But don't you think if it comes down to the Eagles being considered and in that last three or four spots, don't you think that the that the NCAA wants a regional in the state of Mississippi for attendance purposes?
2: (sighs) Yes, I think so. But I also could see where they go, look, this is the opportunity for us finally to push more into the Northeast. Um And so, I mean, like, I don't know if the committee really worries about that, if that's, like, one of those things that we have convinced ourselves is a thing or that's something that actually goes into the conversation. If they're simply saying, all right, who are the 16 most deserving teams? We don't care where they are. Or is it like, you know, we've only got one on the West Coast. Stanford's got that. Oregon, Oregon State kind of played themselves out of that. So what if we take this chance to kind of, push it into the Northeast, you know, we can, we can justify Boston college and UConn. Um, I, I don't know.
5: I, I don't know how that works. It's um, you know, if you look at UConn, you're talking about the, the champion of the 12th RPI conference. Mm-hmm. That's what you would be looking at. And I mean, we'll talk about the Eagles here just in a second, but you know, you could possibly have the Sun Belt right now is the fifth RPI conference. So you're talking about still co-champions in the fifth RPI conference, you know, uh, being, being locked out. Uh, and I think that will there, – there's a case to be made that Coastal's RPI is going to fall. I mean, th- they got a challenge this weekend. South Alabama's up against uh, the wall. You know, they're fighting for postseason life. And then they got to go play Marshall. So kind of the Marshall-ULM series that Southern Miss is facing this weekend. Coastal's got Marshall the next way. Their RPI could tank as well.
2: And if Southern Miss is going to be the regular season champion, they've got to finish a game clear of Coastal Carolina because Coastal's got the tiebreaker on them. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, you know, I feel like, Luke, we've always had this conversation, but but from a different angle, right? Well, would the would the committee put three regional sites in Mississippi? Will they put two regional sites in Mississippi. You know, could Southern Miss host if Ole Miss is hosting or Mississippi State's hosting? And I, I just... I wonder if that's something that, that like, we build up in our minds to help us try to understand or if that's something that they really do look at uh, in terms of geography. I, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that Southern Miss is playing really good baseball with with ten straight wins, six conference games remaining. It does feel like they can't lose this weekend, not in terms of being in the postseason, but in terms of hosting possibilities. I'm not sure you can afford a loss to ULM because it what it would do to the RPI.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's on the road, so th- that helps. I mean, but this should be on paper. You know, if you sweep Arkansas State, you should sweep ULM. If you sweep South Alabama, you you know, one thing that the Eagles have have not done in, in several years is drop a bad series at home. Um, they, they just haven't done that. Um, and that's kind of what separated them uh, in the RPI the last five or six years. This is one of those that you should sweep. I mean, ULM's the, the worst team in the conference. I mean, but their head coach, the former Southern Miss guy, uh, Michael Federico, who's coached with Barry. He was under Coach Palmer forever. So, I mean, you know, he, he knows how the Eagles play. Um, you, you do feel like if the worst case happened, you drop one on the road. If you got a home sweep against uh, Louisiana, you might could, you know, alleviate that some. I mean, Warren Nolan has got the Eagles winning five out of the last six, and I would assume that's two out of three against Louisiana. And uh in the sweep of ULM. They have them projected RPI. If the Eagles were to do that going into postseason, they got them in at fifteen. That's what the projected RPI would be. Um and well, so, if,
2: if that's where it finishes, as long as they don't lay an egg in the, the Sunbelt Conference tournament, then I don't see how you keep them out. If Southern Miss finishes the regular season with an RPI of fifteen, and then it I mean, let, let's just say they finish with a top twenty RPI with forty wins, I don't know how you keep them out. Yeah. In terms of hosting.
5: It's a different conversation in the Sun Belt. And I'll just, I'll be honest with you. There is something to be said for being tied at the end of the season in a top five RPI conference. And Texas State, I mean, if you see the projections today, Texas State's in. So the, the Sun Belt's getting four teams. And when you look at kind of like, you know, top 50 teams, um, you know, Sunbelt's Belt's right there with with uh, the, the, the conference right in front of them, too. So, we talked about this. This is the year where you know the conference that Southern Miss is in gives them the benefit of the doubt and a perhaps RPI boost towards the end.
2: Yeah. Uh, visiting with Luke Chan- Johnson, he is co-host of the Eagle Hour. You can listen to that on uh, online at supertalk.fm and of course on Supertalk Hattiesburg and Supertalk Laurel. Tanner Hall, man, the last couple of weeks after that rough outing at uh, at Coastal, he has been. Almost unhittable in his last two outings.
5: We had uh, Christian Ostrander on today, and we're just talking to him um, uh, about Tanner, and it was really funny him talking about Tanner's out pitch, which is his changeup. And I asked Oz also, Air, a- I said, look, it looks like he's got a little cut, you know, on that changeup, and he said, man, that thing's got a mind of its own. He said if it, it, it runs both ways. Scouts will ask Oz o- all over again, you know, what does he do on that changeup, and Oz just goes, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think he adjusted a little bit. He was a guy that was pounding the zone, so Coastal really, you know, swung early in the zone and didn't allow him, you know, didn't allow themselves to get behind. And so he's kind of adjusted. And you know, when he's on, man, it, it is so fun to watch. That that Oz said today that that Hall's changeup is probably a top five pitch of anybody he's ever seen pitch at the school. Really. Well, what would be the other four? Did you ask him it? I did not ask him that. Oh, he come just, on, he, man. He you gotta follow it. up on that. Well, Getty was taking all the time. I had to I had to get my stuff in. So it it happens. But yeah, I will. I'll reach back out and ask for a couple of those. I'll tell you another out pitch this year, guys. Justin Storm coming ninety four uh on a downward angle at six seven with the release point being closer to the plate. Forty two strikeouts and twenty four innings of work. I mean, he's he's become the closer on the back end.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff, and has been uh, part of the reason why. Who's the most important piece offensively right now?
5: Uh, it's you know it's so many different dimensions. I mean, what, what's happened the last three weekends is Peito has come on. Um, Rodrigo Montenegro really has started two out of the three games in the weekend series. He's batting like right at three fifty, and then Monaster is in the three twenty range. I mean, Monaster really has been what has helped this offense uh, be be holistic towards the bottom of the order. So with those three, you really have now a, a two three four at the bottom of, because uh, you've got power, you've got contact, um, and you've got the ability for RPIs. I would continue to say Sargent, um, because Sargent has provided the the security for Wilkes. Wilkes is going to do his thing. He's at 18 bombs right now. Um, as long as Edsel will continue to get on, Dickerson's, you know, going to make contact. And so, it's a hard question to answer because what's happened is you've had Wilkes have his four or five RPI game, and then he'll go over four the next day. But somebody at the bottom of the order, two guys went Hmm. two for four.
2: Yeah. And Danny Lynch had a pretty big weekend as well, didn't he?
5: Danny Lynch um, continues uh, to to be Danny Lynch. I don't know if you guys uh, have seen his approach to the plate now, like pre. Uh, That's been kind of the source of the commentary on the Eagle Hour. We're trying to figure out what he's doing. He gets his entire body involved um, when he is waiting on the pitcher, and uh, it's it's a sight to behold for sure. I will have to uh, have to check that out. Luke, always good to catch up.
2: Big weekend coming up. Got to try and go get three on the road at ULM and uh, stay in the race. Thanks, man. All right, Richard. Y'all have a good day. Luke Johnson, Super Talk Eagle Hour, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. By the way, today is Will Hall's birthday. Hey. Happy birthday, Will Hall. So, I, wanted, I would tell him to take a break today. I just don't know if that's possible for
4: him. I wanted to do a cheesy segment yesterday. He works yesterday, harder on his birthday. Uh, probably. Yeah. And today where we uh, grant what their birthday wish would be. So I'm just going to say mine for Will Hall. Quarterback health. Could you imagine if so we they have, just in, in the last couple of years were healthy at quarterback, how much further they would be in the build yeah. than they are right now, at least record-wise? If they just stayed healthy at that position,
3: so we have Kiffin and Hall's birthday in the same week, back to back. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't know when Arnett says.
2: Do, do Do you know what Lane Kiffin's birthday wish would be? And I owe money. Absolutely nothing A to do fishing with football. Boat. It would have A nothing to boat. do with football. He sold his boat. The Bonita Run, back. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
0: feel it can you hear it sports talk mississippi yeah on super talk mississippi
2: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks to uh, Luke for joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Hey, Dan, I told you I wanted to uh, ask you a question earlier. I, I'm yeah. trying to think of the equivalent. So Milan is a large industrial city in oh, gee, Southern Italy, right? I think Milan's in the south of Italy. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like it might be on the northern coast of Italy, but I think Milan's in the south. It doesn't matter. It's a big city. Yeah, it's Italy. it is a it is a city that is large enough. Milan to is have... uh, just as south as Canada is. So Milan is at the the very, northern very nor- yeah very okay. northern Italy. It was one or the other. I missed, swung and missed on that Like
3: o- almost. You knew to it was either north or south. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> well, I knew it was like at the tip i
2: just whatever i screwed it up i missed it up badly like by the the length of the country badly yes it is an industrial city there's a huge fashion presence in milan as well and it's big enough that it's got two world class professional soccer teams yes who today played each other in a champions league match in a stadium that they share This is... The Sancero. So this is what? Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the same town, and they share a stadium, but they are the bitterest of rivals? But But also, one of the two, I don't care which you make, has dominated the other... To the point that in, like, a major international competition, the other has never won until today.
3: Like, I didn't know that. So you I, learn I, th- something I think it.
2: that's what I read earlier. What a
3: weird-looking I mean, stadium they both won this Champions is. League. Yeah, it's awesome, though. The atmosphere is incredible in there. Um, yeah, basically. Hmm. Like, pretty cool. imagine if State on this Miss were in a super regional, but on steroids. That's what this would be like in a stadium that they share in a stadium that they share yeah
4: it looks like a mattress it looks like a mattress as if like the the wall around the mattress was ripped off and you just see springs it's a rectangular it's a rectangle with springs it's what it looks like it's pretty cool
2: though yeah, and maybe cool, it's man. one of those deals where it's like every stadium that is absolutely packed to the gills looks really cool but yeah, I mean that's what it looks like on the outside, but on the inside, that thing's awesome. Well, apparently, they have renovation plans. Yeah, I'm such a dork for European soccer soccer stadium architecture.
4: I, I'm telling you, I, I I know that people that work at Ole Miss and Mississippi State listen to this program. I know you listen. When you're talking about your stadium renovations, don't tear down a whole side and build it back up. Here's what you do: you get rid of the club sections and you build, steal one of the ideas from Manchester United or whatever, and encircle your stadium with awnings or whatever you want to call these things. Trap in sound, yeah. protect the fans from the sun so they can't complain about that anymore, and the look would be outstanding. Especially at Ole Miss where the stadium is built so yeah, but, but flat. Can you
2: match Can you match the red brick to the rest of campus and put a red roof on it?
4: Yeah, who cares? But probably, <laughs>
2: oh, more people than you oh, there would are people I know. consider. <laughs> oh, I'm
4: sure. Gosh, uh, I'm, I'm sure. But that's what you don't tear down. Ian sides Banner of your for stadium. one. Don't tear him down.
3: Don't do that. He's yeah. got to be in a. My my friend Sir Ian has to be in a bad state. His beloved Lester Foxes are going down. They're Ooh. going down in the next few weeks. Ooh. Hmm. It's a tough place to be, isn't it? But it
2: also sets up it for the, the the triumphant return.
3: They'll, they'll be back soon, yeah. Yes. They won't yes. be down long. Be, they will probably be the favorites to come right back up.
2: Did Chelsea flirt with relegation?
3: Um, May have noticed it from across the bar, but never said anything to her. Okay. Yeah. Cl- it's like, oh, there she is. T- t- there t- she close. is. Too close for comfort, Too close. but... Don't like being in the bar with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's fair. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Great-looking spring collection. If you're going to the golf course, you're going to the vacation, you're going to the ballpark, going to wherever it is that you're going, just out to dinner, uh, they will have you looking at your best comfortably, uh, stylishly, all of those things rolled into one. You can find them not only online at genteelapparel.com, but at uh, locations all across the state of Mississippi, including Randy and Price Company, uh, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, Abraham's in Indianola, the Willander in Brandon, Mile 363 in Natchez, and T. Sappington and Company in New Albany. Genteel Apparel. If you haven't tried them out do so today, you register with your email online and get 10% off your first online order. We'll be back 5 o'clock hour. College Football Fix is next. listen to at
0: work at work sports talk Mississippi sports talk Mississippi on super talk Mississippi did you get that memo
5: yes sir
2: Welcome back. 5 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi with you on Super Talk Mississippi, streaming you can't listen on the radio, you can always listen online at supertalk.fm. You can walk, watch along at Super Talk TV if you'd like to do that. You can grab the show on demand as a podcast or at SuperTalk. It's just everywhere. Everywhere. In fact, we would love it if you would subscribe to the Super Talk um, I'm sorry, to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can download it. Um, You don't have to listen every single day if you don't want to, but it's always there when you want it. So if you jump in the car for a road trip or you're going for a walk or getting a workout in and you've missed an episode or two, you can always go back and listen on demand with uh, Sports Talk Mississippi as a podcast. And I think it's the part where I'm supposed to say uh, we'd appreciate a five-star rating, give it a thumbs up, what is it, review, review,
4: Leave Comment a rating if you'd like. and a review.
3: <laughs> Say whatever you want in the review, but give the five-star rating. We, we would appreciate that. Yeah, you can be a part of the
4: growing podcast audience, by the way. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, tens of thousands
2: of you every month are downloading the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast, and we appreciate that very much. Um, also, coming up after we get finished with Sports Talk Mississippi, the news immediately after we finish, you've got, uh, you got Fox News and Super Top News the coming news your way. That comes
4: on after yeah. this show. As hey. soon
2: as we get finished, you got the, uh, the news coming up. So don't miss that out to stay up to date with what's happening around the world. And right. Is there anything else? No, just the news. Top of every hour, in fact, every hour. Huh. Thunder and lightning source. on the radio coming up tonight. Uh,
3: so, as soon as you started talking about podcasts, I was like, "Here we go! I'm not, I'm not going to get to make the jokes." Your podcast was responsible for
2: state's game not happening last night.
3: <laughs> in, a, in a in a in a way, yes, yeah, or something like that. Which is, if you listen to my excitement for that game, I, I feel, I feel vindicated.
2: Mm, thunder and lightning on the radio, six o'clock Mississippi State. Uh, all the Mississippi State news you want, Brian Haydad will break down all the remaining scenarios for Mississippi State to get to the postseason in baseball, and he'll do it for the entire hour. <laughs> that's coming up immediately after Sports that's, that's, Talk Mississippi
3: with you. going to be the uh, shortest episode
4: interview. of of the show ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we do have an interview in to, line dog. Welcome right. into Thunder and Lightning for the next hour. You're gonna hear silence right. because we're gonna talk about Mississippi State's postseason chances. There are none. Thanks, Rhino. See you next week.
3: Rhino, play some music. Who's your guest? Uh, Charlie Winfield from the Bulldog Initiative joins us. Oh, great. Great.
2: Charlie's going to ask you for money, but he's going to also talk about a lot of other things. Uh, No, that'll be good. That'll be good. Thunder and lightning coming up after we get finished right here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's do a little college football fix, shall we? We shall. College Football Fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Do yourself a favor. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. Give it a test drive. See if you like it. Spoiler alert, you will. And uh, you can get one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive it today. Take it home today. Take it home tomorrow. Whatever works for you. Here's your college football fix. We could carry over the conversation about scheduling, or, Michael Borkey, we could do this.
4: Yeah, some over-under win totals uh, from Caesars today. We'll have about a dozen more between now and then. Uh, I love the least interesting team in the SEC. Actually, no, scratch that. The second least interesting team in the SEC. For some reason, Vanderbilt is more interesting than Missouri. So Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. interesting. I love... Vanderbilt's over. I love their over. Love it. All right. Let's walk through them. Biggest to smallest or smallest to biggest? So I kind of didn't order them that way, but let's start with the smallest just because I mentioned Vanderbilt. I absolutely love this over. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being flippant. I really, truly love the prospect of them hitting this over.
2: Vanderbilt's win total is three and a half, according to Caesars. Three and a half. Michael Borke is quite
4: confident in the Commodores yeah. going at least four and eight this year. So they start their season with all four of their non conference games, three of which they'll be probably significant favors in Hawaii, UNLV, and Alabama AM. I didn't get them in the correct order. It's Hawaii, Alabama AM. They do have a road trip at Wake Forest. Now, no Sam Hartman. They lost a lot from last year's team. So I wouldn't sleep on Vanderbilt's ability to win that game either. But also UNLV. If they win those three games that they will be heavily favored in, you're looking for a 1-8 and eight finish. Just one more win. That's all you're asking of them. A team that beat Florida last year a team that beat Kentucky last year, a Vanderbilt team that returns a ton, by the way. They didn't get decimated. A lot of guys back, quarterback back. One more win is all you're asking for in the other nine games on their schedule? Sign me up. I'll ride okay. with the doors. Uh, Okay. Okay. Four and eight for Vanderbilt this year. Second
2: lowest win total in the SEC. This turns out to be the case. It's going to be an uncomfortable off season for Billy Napier. The Florida Gators, five and a half, the win total for Florida. Their Western just real opponents. Quick, I, think, what, what, just, I, I was
3: going to say, I, go, go,
2: go, you go, go, go. I'll talk in a second. All right. Utah to open the season. Their Western Division opponents are Arkansas and LSU. They play Florida State in the season finale. Plus
3: Tennessee. They're in
2: trouble. Plus Georgia.
3: They're in trouble. Hmm.
2: South Carolina. Going back to Vandy real quick.
3: Yeah. Going back to Vandy real quick. I think they're a bowl team. I think they're six and six this year.
4: That wouldn't surprise me at all.
3: You, you, I would definitely put money on the over. You, I would definitely you can't put money
4: overstate over. what Clark Lee did with that team last year. That yeah. was an exceptionally good coaching job.
3: It was. Florida, yeah. I mean, they may be doing this again. They may be getting ready to cycle off another coach. If he goes 6-6 six and six or worse, and you just listed a bunch of games, I think they're going to lose. they got to be a lot better than, than anybody thinks they're going to be. And they gotta do it with a quarterback that absolutely nobody's gonna believe in before the season starts. Mm -hmm. Be it Miller or Mertz, I have no faith in either one of them to be able to make Florida a seven, eight win, nine win team. So which is what they want at Florida.
4: The answer is somebody because it's Florida. But man, if they go two and out with Napier, don't you think Scott Strickland would have a harder time than you would think? The Florida I don't think Scott job Strickland would have make that higher. Oh well, there's another there's another question, but
3: I mean at that at that point he's 0 for three or 0 for two. He missed on Mullen and he misses on Napier. You can't let him hire the third guy.
4: When you look around, what is happening with major college football and in the elevation of every job in the SEC and the elevation of every job in the Big Ten, for example, if you're a coach that has a job, maybe even in those leagues, because Florida's going to try to tell you to go get a coach that's in one of those two leagues first. But if you're the next Billy Napier, if you're Jeff Traylor at UTSA who just keeps on winning, whoever the case may be, and Florida calls, and you just watched Billy Napier with his pedigree and his background, who he's coached under, and how much he won at Louisiana get two years before they kicked him to the curb while their collective is a disaster, are you taking that
3: job? It's a force for good. What
4: if I told you?
2: Oh. Florida is the third best job in its division and the sixth best job in the SEC.
3: Well, I mean that means nationally it's like a top 10 job. So I mean it's not that's not that bad. Uh, what you're trying to now. say, it, it,
2: if if it's number it's 6 probably, in the SEC is it still top 10 nationally?
3: It's close. It's going to be close. I mean Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oklahoma, Texas. Another 4. Oklahoma, maybe. Oklahoma. Yeah, well, then I mean, it's twelfth. I mean, it's still a, a really good job. It's it's, it's not it's, being sixth in the SEC doesn't mean you're a bad job. Florida but has saying to that you're the sixth around. best jo-
2: that Florida's the sixth best job in this conference feels like
3: heresy. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I get what you're saying, but they they have to go and do what they did with Urban Meyer. They have to go get the sure thing. But and they, they got to get their
2: act together on an aisle.
3: It. They do, they do. They're a force for good, though. Don't forget that.
4: But but is the sure thing taking that job I, but for the you, right price? Eh? you can. Everybody's but, got a price. But but
3: everybody can
4: pay those price. W- Old Miss is paying nine million plus for their coach. Michigan State nine 10, million plus for 11. their coach. But yeah, that that does change things. But you got to have the right guy. guy.
3: I don't know who that guy is either. Just just if you're asking me, I don't know who who the guy is. Jimbo. No. Jimbo, who? Because
4: <laughs> not, not Jimbo.
2: Jimbo. Jimbo.
3: <laughs> Jimbo, who works as a Tom Thumb? Who are we talking about here?
4: <laughs> huh. uh, well, now we need to keep Jimbo in the West, fellas. All right, guys. We checked yeah, two
2: of the win totals
4: off the list. We'll there's no more,
2: there's no more West after this year. We got 40 minutes. That's right. More coming up with you at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
5: Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight 808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: If you're in the market for a new truck, new SUV, new car, there are things you're looking for, right? I mean, there's the, there's the vehicle, the vehicle itself. And then there is way, way down the list, proximity to where you are. That's so much less important than it's ever been. But you're looking for people that are honest and a place that you feel comfortable so I'd like to suggest to you that regardless of where you live, it makes sense if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle that you visit Belk Ford. They're located on Highway 6 in Oxford. They are a family-owned company that has been in business for closing in on 100 years. They've been a Ford dealership since the uh, since the 1950s, and they've grown with Oxford. And they've got a great selection of Ford vehicles that are available on the lot. Let's go back to the experience, right? You, you want to deal with somebody that you trust. You want to deal with somebody that, that's not pushy, that you're not just like another tick mark on the window to show how many vehicles they've sold in a month. I mean, that's, you know, great, fine. That's the philosophy for some dealerships, but that's not how they operate at Ford, at uh, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota in Oxford. They're going to take care of you. They're going to treat you like a friend, like a neighbor, like family and uh, it'll be a great car-buying, truck-buying experience. So stop by Belk Ford Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can check out their website for available inventory. A lot of F-150s, got some super duties, the F-250s that are on the lot, some Expeditions on the lot right now, the Explorer. They've got vehicles in stock, and you can test drive one today at your local Ford dealer and I would suggest that Belk Ford-Oxford Toyota should be your local dealer. And tell them I sent you. You, uh, If you're in the area, tell them you heard about it on Sports Talk Mississippi, and Richard said to come by. It's an experience that you will enjoy. That's at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. So we checked off two teams on the SEC win
4: totals for the entire college football fix. Heck yeah. We can skip Missouri, whatever. I mean, Missouri just whatever. And... Every encounter I've I'll had, I'll be with deep
3: a, in the cold, cold ground before I'll recognize Missouri.
4: Yeah, but like every media Missouri. member from Missouri that I've interacted with uh, is incredibly pleasant. Like they, they, they seem like fine people. I don't know why it. It's not that I hate them. It's just they don't belong here. You know. You guys ever see Mean Girls? Great movie. Don't judge me. They can't sit with us, or they shouldn't be able to sit with us anyway. Borky, a mean girl. Mean Girls is funny. It's objectively funny. we haven't gotten funny. to
2: Missouri at six and a half yet. We've still got South Carolina at six. South Carolina coming off an eight-win season? A year in which they beat Clemson? They beat Tennessee? I don't hear anybody just jumping all over... Over
4: six for South Carolina. I don't love it, especially when they've decided to just add North Carolina and the second-best quarterback in all of college football to their schedule, too. What are you thinking there?
3: Ten, uh, ten power five games. I mean, that's tough. Help that's your tough. boys
4: out. And Furman.
3: I, they'll, probably go, they'll probably go seven and five. Oh, and Furman. They'll probably go <laughs> seven and five, but that's that's not one where I'm just like dying to get my money to the cashier.
2: If they go 7-5, and five, that probably includes a win over Mississippi State.
3: Maybe.
4: That's a that's swing game for them. North Carolina is a swing game for them. Have you
3: all seen the schedules, by the way, for, for State and for South Carolina around that game? It's incredible. State is LSU at home at South Carolina, Alabama at home, and uh, Carolina is... Georgia at home no, state. It's at, no, Georgia. Georgia. At, at Georgia. Home. Oh, it's Mississippi at at state Georgia. At Georgia. At Tennessee. At Tennessee. God. Who did that? Greg Where's Sankey. Greg
4: Sankey? Personally.
3: He, he, he,
4: he, he screwed us. Doesn't he have a child that goes to Mississippi State?
2: He does.
3: No, or he, he did. Had, I don't know no, if she's still he No, he
2: has a daughter that got a graduate degree from Mississippi State.
3: So just so I'm clear. I want to be sure how English works. He has a child that went to Mississippi State. I thought he said that goes to Mississippi State. I said, yeah, or she did. I don't know if she's oh, still here. I didn't here. hear
2: you say, yeah, or she did.
4: Oh, he tells us no 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 she just has a degree from here i thought but I, here. Did, did borky not say doesn't he
2: have a child that goes to mississippi state i, I said Go. yes and then i clarified he has a daughter it. that grad has a graduate which degree is a child from mississippi state yes uh, technically it's yes a child technically <laughs> technically she's now a grown woman <laughs> but yes married you know moved on yeah, whatever. always going to be your child though always going to be your child uh, so right. South Carolina, we're not Kentucky? sure about.
4: Yeah. What, what about? They, they will be dis if if they go six and six. Though fans will not be pleased.
3: They'll be upset. Yeah.
4: Kentucky at six and
2: a half. Non-conference mm-hmm. schedule includes Ball State, East Car, uh, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and Louisville. Their Western Division opponents are Mississippi State and Alabama.
3: And on the road. That's a tough. They haven't beaten State here since uh, 2008.
2: So if you assume that they are going to lose at Mississippi State, because that's what happens in that series, and they're going to lose to Georgia, and they're going to lose to Alabama, that's three.
3: Are there three more
2: losses on the schedule for Kentucky?
3: Tennessee. Okay. And then... I mean, hey, at South Carolina is
4: not going to be easy. At
3: Louisville is not, not easy. Be easy. Hey. It's at Louisville? Yeah, not easy. At Vanderbilt's not going to be easy. They lost to him last year. They did. And that was with a number one overall pick quarterback. Could be tough. Uh, but, they, they, but at the same time, they could be pretty good. I think Devin Leary is somehow an upgrade at quarterback if he's healthy.
2: All right. I got one. Where you're gonna like go? Ooh, Auburn at six and a half. Auburn's non-conference schedule: UMass, Cal in Berkeley, Samford. It's be tricky. And New Mexico State. No, Cal in Berkeley is not going to be tricky for Auburn this year. They had terrible a good portal right
3: class, apparently. Cal has, apparently. Yeah. I think that's basketball. You're looking at. They hired no. Mark Madsen. No, oh, okay.
4: Apparently, in football, they've done they've done some nice
3: things hmm. in the portal. Hmm. All right. Still four and for Auburn. They should be four and there. Okay.
2: So, are there three but, more wins on the schedule?
3: Who are there? Who's the other East team for them?
2: Vandy and Georgia.
3: They can beat Vandy. They can. I mean, then between Arkansas, A and M, Ole Miss State, can they win two more? I would say possibly leaning towards probably.
4: Okay. Did did you know who Cal's defensive coordinator is off the top of your head? It's Peter Sermon, isn't it? It's Peter Sermon. Oh.
3: He's still there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Justin Wilcox, a defensive minded head coach.
3: Literally anyone, if you get a job as a coach, you will never not have a job as a coach.
2: So Auburn at six and a half. By the way, um, Hugh Freeze playing in the uh, the pro am today, where they bring the coaches in for the regions, the senior event. It's called the, the tradition. Yeah, the the tradition. Yes, uh, they're playing it at Greystone, and Jim Dunaway from the next round was the MC introducing the uh, the coaches and the celebrities on the tee today. You had Charles Barkley and a bunch of guys that were there. And when he announced Hugh Freeze, he said, "A man that needs no introduction." And the homeowners association here at Greystone. Really happy to have this guy here because fir- for the first time this century, they're not worried about the head coach of Auburn hitting a house with his tee shot. <laughs> Hugh Freeze. <laughs> Hugh kind of paused and looked at him when he said that just for a second. They're a pretty good. Balls golfer.
3: on, not a good golfer. <laughs> uh, okay. No. No. Okay. You see, today, Bo Jackson revealed he's been battling hiccups for a year. That's gotta be the worst thing ever. A
4: full year. Yeah. He uh
3: w- He's had the hiccups. What
4: what was the story that that he he, he, he smelt a a porcupine?
3: He smelt a the rear end of a porcupine trying to stop his hiccups.
4: Apparently there Didn't was work. some anecdotal so he's,
3: he's gonna have surgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he have to Hold the porcupine. I assume like a close. zookeeper uh, or something. Had, okay. Maybe some, or maybe he had like some barbecue gloves on. you know, he wouldn't wouldn't poke through. Mm. I don't know. Hey. Has he just
2: like tried like a breathing treatment of some sort, D-
4: dude. If you had he's, the hiccups he's, he's tried for everything. a year, everything you'd smell the rear end of a porcupine if somebody said, "Hey, that worked for somebody else."
3: Yeah, I would do. I would do just about anything. I don't like having the hiccups for five minutes. We will
4: uh, we will talk
2: about the two teams from the SEC right here in the state of Mississippi when we come back in terms of win totals, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and they both are at a number that I think causes you to stop and think just a little bit. You really got to look closely at the schedule to decide if you're going to go over. On those two totals. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can text us on the C Spire text line 601 879
0: 4395. More coming up after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Middays on the road, the next two days. Tomorrow, you can join Middays with Gerard Gibbert, broadcasting live from Carter's Jewelers on High Street in Jackson. They'll be having their Mother's Day annual balloon pop sale and a ton of great deals for you. Mother's Day coming up this Sunday. And on Friday, join Middays with Gerard Gibbert at Itawamba Community College in Fulton for 2023 spring graduation. You'll hear about all of the great things that are going on at ICC. That's Middays. Live at Itawamba Community College coming up this Friday. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad with you, Sports Talk, Mississippi and the Pearl River Resort Studios. So we said we were skipping Missouri. That's fine. They're boring. We don't care. I mean, that's probably not entirely fair, but we're going to move on. Mississippi State win total, six and a half. We're talking about a win total as projected by Caesar Sportsbook. Six and a half in 2023. Mississippi State schedule, maybe you know it by heart, Southeastern Louisiana to open the year. Arizona in Week 2. Western Michigan on October 7th. Southern Miss on November 18th. Those are the four non-conference games. Kentucky is the permanent Eastern Division opponent. The other team from the East this year, South Carolina on the road. If you go win over Southeastern Louisiana... Win over Western Michigan. For the purposes of this conversation, I'm not being detrimental, but let's say win over Southern Miss. That's three. Arizona is a non-conference game. Say what? Careful. I I understand.
3: They'll beat Southern.
2: I'm just saying for the purposes of this conversation. I'm afraid. uh, And then Arizona is the fourth. That's in week two.
4: Those are sneaky, difficult non-conference games, though. You would think, you know, playing somebody from the Sun Belt generally for an SEC team is a game that you should win, and then Arizona, with the program that they've been lately at home, is a game that you should win. Those will be tougher tests, at least for a while. There's,
3: there's, they're, they're there's gonna no be such thing as a gimme the, game.
4: They're going to be favored in both those. The no such
3: thing fly. as a gimme game for programs like Mississippi State and Ole Miss. They're just not. You, 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 you have to show up every week.
4: Well, not Sila.
3: I, I I would counter by saying Maine. I, I feel it like it's a, in a bit, different place. I feel like it's a little bit different. Now. It is. It is. It is. But again, you can't just show up. You can't have Will Rogers throwing six interceptions and saying, "Okay, well, we're still going to win." You can't. I would
2: say a better example than Maine would be South Alabama.
3: South Alabama, exactly. But I mean, there's a there's a gap between South Alabama and Cela too. But regardless, you just can't, you, you got to play well.
2: You taking the over the six and a half, hey, Dad?
3: I am. I mean, when's the last time State wasn't over in a non-COVID year? That's just it tends to just be their 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 way of doing things at this point. Um, I think they'll go four zero in the non-conference, and I think at the I, I would say I have them eight four as we sit here today. Um, but seven and five is certainly very very doable to me.
2: So so you're going with the four non-conference, and then what are your four SEC wins? Mm-hmm.
3: I think they'll get four, and obviously I don't think they'll beat Alabama or LSU, uh, so of the remaining six, they, they they'll get four from Arkansas, A&M, Auburn, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and South Carolina. Four
4: of those six are on the road.
3: They are, but State's been good on the road. They they won at Auburn two years ago. They won at A&M two years ago. They had Arkansas beat two years ago. They, none of those are just, you can't win their environments.
2: I'm interested, so so, other than some outlier games where the offense was completely stymied, your question has not necessarily been about Mississippi State scoring points. Is this offense going to score points at the clip that Mike Leach's offense scored points in a different style?
3: I think so. I mean, last year was down from the year before. It was. In points per game. You know, yeah. Rodgers... I, mean, I thought took a step back last year. To be honest with you, I think a, a little more running game, a little more variety. Yeah, the, the the offense will be will be good enough.
4: Ole Miss at seven and a half. oh that's interesting. Here's how an elementary look at the schedule: uh, you've got two schedule losses in Tuscaloosa and in Athens on the road against those. Until Lane Kiffin can beat them, then, and I know he almost did last year, but. You're not picking Ole Miss to beat Alabama until they do under this coach. Can they go 8-2? Eight 8-2 eight two, two
2: in their other 10
4: games. That's how ten. you're trying to get your, your over. Now, they will be favored. And, and it, it's the same thing with State, right? Like Tulane's an AAC team. They're losing basically everybody but their quarterback. Uh, we've mm-hmm. learned, by the way, that their running back, the, the stud last year, like mm-hmm. doesn't have an ACL. It, it, it's just like it, he doesn't have one because of past injuries. But they they lost a lot. Tomoko says, what's the big deal? I know, right? But that's still kind of a sneaky, you know, going down there and and playing that team is going to be sneaky. you got to show up and play, and you got to show up and play against Georgia Tech. Being on the road makes it a little interesting, yeah. But you will be favored in all four of those games. So take those (laughs) out. Mercer, Tulane,
2: Georgia Tech, ULM are wins. You will be favored in all of those games. Certainly should be. all be wins.
3: Should be wins.
4: Can you go four and two in the remaining six?
2: That They're means your that means four and two. If you're using that as your barometer, that means can you go four and two against a combination of LSU at home, Arkansas at home, Auburn on the road, Vanderbilt at home, Texas A&M at home, at Mississippi State.
4: So then take
3: Vanderbilt out. It's a favorable you'll be in home schedule.
4: One. It is. So can you go should, three? And should
3: two? be able to beat Vanderbilt. It's going to be tough to beat Vanderbilt. No. No. Well, no. Yes, to be, to go yes. three. <laughs> This should give, beat Vanderbilt. The, the, the Vanderbilt will give Ole Miss a good game, but yeah, I think Ole Miss seven and five feels like where I'm I'm landing as we sit here today. You are
4: right about the home schedule, though. Getting Arkansas at home is a big deal. Getting a And M at home is a big deal. Getting LSU at home, <laughs> despite them having the roster that they're going to have,
3: that helps. <laughs> that's a loss to me. I just I see that today, and I'm like, that's a loss. You wish you had Auburn at home feels like freeze that that feels like kind of you know it has sort of the same vibes as well when Tuberville uh the first game over there in 99 I think Ole Miss will send a lot of people to Auburn for that game
2: yeah probably won't tomahawk chop in the end zone the way they did in uh in 1999
3: probably not it's not exactly relevant anymore it was relevant then
2: Borky that was before you I don't know if you've ever heard me say that but Auburn bought out their game against Florida State in that first year that Tommy Tuberville was there and when Ole Miss won on the plains, and there were probably ten thousand Ole Miss fans at that game. I mean, it was a huge road crowd, and somewhere fourth that. quarter, overtime, wherever it was, late in that ball game, uh, Ole Miss fans broke out the uh, Florida State yeah. off chop.
4: Man, the the mutual motivation to win that game because Hugh Freeze, as we've talked about before, is, Coach is tied in big games. He's highly motivated to beat Ole Miss, even though they protected him at every possible turn. They tried to save him, and he couldn't save himself. Still, for some reason, has an axe to grind. Um, and and you know uh. very clearly <laughs> it has been demonstrated that Lane Kiffin now has an axe to grind, axe to grind on the other side. The, I, I don't Should know. Should we get
3: an axe like Paul Bunyan's axe? Can we go get a red and blue, orange and blue axe and just have it on the sidelines? Yeah. Winner gets to grind it.
2: You have a stone there to grind it on the sidelines. <laughs> got, a, got the wet stone, yeah. you know. Uh, Arkansas at 7. Arkansas's non-conference schedule, Western Kentucky,
4: Kent State, BYU, and FIU. That's Western Carolina. Don't disrespect the Catamounts, sir. Catamount. What did I say? Western Kentucky. Kentucky.
2: I was looking at WCU and WKU is what came out of the mouth. Uh, my apologies, Yeah.
3: It's quite all right. That's fine. 4 0. Oh, oh. Yes.
2: That is the kind of slip as a broadcaster you can live with. and doesn't cost you your job.
3: Western
4: yes. Carolina, not Western Kentucky. Can four you name oh the town? I know we've asked the mascot. It's the Catamounts. Can you name the town?
2: Mm, no, I cannot. Cullowee. I cannot. Cullowee, North Carolina. We could have been here for a really long time, and I could not have named that.
3: I just learned that city existed. And it's not a city. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: whatever. So, so can, that they town. Go, can they go three and five the rest of the way? Or four and four the rest of the way?
3: Yeah. Are, yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know. I, mean, I love it's Ole Miss and Arkansas have the same. Their, their teams are kind of similar. Great quarterback, great running back, and then I got a ton of questions. Mm hmm. And then we get to Texas
2: A&M. Under. Caesars Caesars would have you okay. uh, modify the, the helmet decal to Texas eight and a half and three and a half as opposed to Texas eight and four, which doesn't have quite the same ring. Non-conference schedule for A&M: New Mexico, at Miami, ULM, and Abilene Christian. From the east, Under. they play Tennessee in Knoxville. And they play South Carolina. South Carolina at home. Under. Doesn't matter to you who is on the schedule. You're going under.
4: No. Under. They're
2: going to underachieve. That's what they do. Sports Talk Mississippi. will wrap it up with you next.
0: This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
2: pick this win total thing up tomorrow and talk a little bit more about the uh, four highest win totals in the SEC. you got Tennessee at 9, LSU at 9.5, Alabama at 10, and Georgia at 11.5. So you're betting on whether or not you think Georgia is going undefeated. They have a schedule that lends itself to doing that, but it's still hard to win all 12 of your games in the regular season. Uh, So let's hold that for tomorrow, and we can go deeper into this tomorrow as well, but let's take a peek at these D1 baseball most recent projections. And I know there's less interest given where Ole Miss and Mississippi State are right now, but I think there are a couple of things that pop that really stand out about this. We talked about Southern Miss earlier as a two-seed in Nashville, Vanderbilt the number three overall. They've got Wake Forest now as the number one overall seed, paired with Stores, Connecticut. And that's actually an interesting regional. Yukon, Virginia, Auburn, and Central Connecticut State. So that could be interesting if it gets played in the Northeast. LSU is, frankly, a boring regional field. LSU, Cal State, Fullerton, UTSA, and Nichols. Texas-San Antonio,
4: not a bad team. But, I mean, eh. And Nichols has already played there this year, beat him there this year, but just so uncreative. Yeah. Um, And again, these are projections from the guys at D1,
2: and they're trying to get into the minds of what the committee might do in terms of Right, that's not a shot at D1,
4: it's what the committee always does.
2: Uh, But it's paired with a really fascinating regional. Oklahoma State is the 15, with Dallas Baptist as a 2, Texas A&M as a 3, and Oral Roberts as a 4. That could be fun, at a great ballpark in Stillwater.
3: You do have to think with with a school like Nichols, right? I mean, what is their athletic budget? Two million dollars? That they may just be like, "Look, we're trying to save some money here. Keep us close. We can't they don't fly the pay for the, the travel for that." I mean, the NCAA, NCAA actually they pays don't?
4: that. Yeah.
3: yeah, do they? Okay.
4: Yeah. When it's their tournament, they got to pay for travel and all that stuff.
3: All sure. right. Okay. I learned something today then.
2: Vandy is the three seed overall with Southern Miss as the two. Kansas State is the three, and Alabama State is the four. Paired up with Boston College in Brighton, Massachusetts, Oregon State, Northeastern, and Harvard. Feels like a fairly fa- favorable draw for a 14 seed. Oregon State, I don't know that you'd be like super fired up about seeing them with all of their postseason success. Maybe the most intriguing regional projection is in Fayetteville, with Arkansas as the number four overall, uh, with uh, Texas as a two, Washington as a three, and Southeast Missouri State as a four. That could be fun. Paired up with Coral Gables, Miami hosting Oregon, Florida Gulf Coast, and Sam Houston. Stanford is the number five overall, which is interesting because isn't their RPI like 15 Stanford, Alabama, UC Santa Barbara, and San Diego State paired with Coastal Carolina. How about this field in Conway? Coastal is the host is the number 12 seed. Tennessee is the two. NC State is the three. And Wofford has the four. That's mean. That is salty.
4: Congrats on hosting.
2: Man, a lot of home runs in that regional if you have those four teams.
4: Oh, and you know the Tennessee fans will be jazzed up about going to Dirty Myrtle.
2: Be nice, Porky.
4: Uh, Duke is the sixth with East Carolina,
2: UNC Wilmington, and Loyola Marymount. Man, a, a Duke-East Carolina day two game could be great. Clemson, Campbell, Georgia, and Davidson. How about this one? This was kind of gross, too. West Virginia as the number seven national seed. With Maryland is the two. Maryland really hot right now. Texas State is the three. That's a good ball club. And Wright State is the four. Paired up with Columbia, South Carolina. It's not bad. Columbia, North Carolina, Iowa, and Maine. And then uh, Kentucky is the number eight overall seed. Kentucky, Indiana State, Notre Dame, Kent State. Paired up with Gainesville. This one's kind of yuck. Florida, Arizona State, Troy, and Army. Army's had a good year. So, most recent projections from d one Baseball. Last five in, NC State, Texas Tech, UTSA, Texas State, and Troy. And Troy would be the fourth team from the Sun Belt. Interesting stuff. Two weeks left in the regular season. And uh, we start week number nine of SEC baseball tomorrow night, including Ole Miss and Auburn at Swayze. For Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Thunder and lightning on the radio coming up next, hosted by Brian Haydad. Good night.